the more I teach, the more I try to discover the ways people learn naturally. Because it's very clear to me that the way that we're taught in school is not the most effective way to learn. Now, it produces very, very immediate results. So if you're studying for an anatomy test and you, you need to memorize 100 different bones in the body, you can very well look at a list of 100 bones, go down the list for a couple of hours, and you can recite all of those bones for that test. But you wait a couple of weeks and you've probably forgotten about half of those bones. You wait about a year or so or two years and you've probably forgotten almost all of the bones that you could originally recite for that test. So it's clear to me the more I teach, the more that structure does not work. But there are things that work very, very well with teaching if you want people to learn and memorize uh, the things you're trying to get them to learn. And for me, I've found that there are three very, very powerful ways to learn. One, you can tell a story. Two, you can do it in the form of a song. Or three, you can use comedy. Like, even if the song is crappy, people will still learn. I remember that we all had the mitosis song that we had to learn in junior high school, and that was one of the shittiest songs we had to hear, but everybody fucking knew what mitosis was by the end of that, that year. But if you want to know something hip, just check out how cells split. They split by mitosis, mitosis, what every cell knows is when it comes time to divide. Mitosis will be Or getting back to anatomy for a second, the only real anatomy that I remember are things that I've had personal stories with. Like I know a lot about the lower back and the spine because I've had spinal injuries from judo. Or uh, I've been told stories from athletic trainers where they, you know, somebody was a football player, they got tackled and they got a displaced fracture in their femur that cut the femoral artery and they almost died. And so there I've learned what a displaced fracture is, I've learned what the femur is, and I've learned what the femoral artery is, and I've learned that you can die from causing damage to the femoral artery. And even anatomical landmarks like the acetabulum, like I know that one because I had an anatomy teacher who was an idiot, and she would always pronounce all the words incorrectly, and she would say acetabulum instead of acetabulum, like everybody pronounces it. So I know that that's how you pronounce it, and I know what that landmark is because of the failure of a different teacher. And that's ultimately what stories are going to come down to, is a story of success or a story of failure. What should you do? What should you not do? Or they call that a comedy versus a tragedy. Comedies are what to do. Tragedies are what not to do. And I think Probably most of the things that we learn are learned from failure or learned from what not to do because there's a lot more things that you can do that are wrong than you can do that are right. And it may start some, as something as simple as like you're in a forest and you're in a native tribe and one of the, your people says, hey, let me go check this thing out over here and they don't come back. You've now learned from that person's failure to not go over there. Or if you are going to go over there, then you can exercise a little more caution than the person who went over there first. So I think there's a lot to learn from failure. If you're smart, you'll learn from your own failures. If you're smarter than that, you'll learn from your failures plus everybody else's failures. And isn't that what MGTOW is really here to do? MGTOW, I think, is largely a response to feminism, where feminism has, or at least the popular context of MGTOW, is a response to feminism. 
because feminism has sat there and pointed out all of the failures and wrongdoings of men. So because nobody was doing that with women, there was a void in the marketplace, and so people came up to fill that void in the marketplace. And it can be stuff like making fun of women, like the Tom Likas show, or it can be a more serious analysis. And so certainly I do both, serious analysis and having fun. But today it's going to be a little bit more serious. And today I was thinking about this in regards to the wage gap because I didn't really process that women pick different jobs than men until I heard about the wage gap. I mean, I think before that I was uh, probably just the standard male feminist who thought women were just being oppressed, which is why they didn't make money. This is probably back when I was in college, when I was still an idiot socialist, like many people in college. Like I remember in college, they would flat out, I had professors who would flat out say they were a communist, and then the Communist Party would advertise their clubs and their promotional materials on campus, on like club week, or they would just kind of sit out outside the cafeteria, outside of the food court, and advertise communist propaganda. But when I first heard about the wage gap and the debunking of the wage gap, I started to think about in process, which types of career decisions do women make versus the career decisions that men make? And when women go to school and they study, they tend to study things that are more so, I would call them do-nothing careers, like dance, art, theater, psychology, communications. And if, if you think about this, and I'm sure anybody who does any of these fields can find somebody who's really successful at that field. But the primary difference between an art major or a psychology major versus like a computer engineer or any engineering thing in general, or even like a nurse, is that the people who go into those jobs always have work available for them. They, they get the training, they go to the job, and they go to work every single day. The people who pick things like art don't have that. The people, even if you pick psychology, like if you go get a psychology degree and you graduate, one of the things that they don't say is that if you're going to open up a private practice, nobody does anything for you. You have to decide when you work and when you don't work. And so are you going to decide to wake up at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and start your practice then? Or are you going to wake up when everybody else wakes up and actually make money? And that's kind of the key issue with careers like art or even psychology is that nobody tells you when to go to work. And so what a lot of people will take that as is I've got tons of free time as an artist, therefore I've got tons of free time. I actually fell into this trap as a yoga teacher and a lot of yoga teachers, teachers fall into this trap is um, when I first started teaching, I would work three classes a week, which is three hours. And because my whole life had been designed around you're either at work or you're at home or you're at school or you're at home. When you're at school, you work. When you're at work, you work. But when you're at home, you can screw around. And so I would do my three hours of teaching every single week. And then I'd get home and screw around as if I had free time. Until after a while, I realized that nobody who is successful in art does that. I know a lot of people who are successful artists who bring that up as an option because I think a lot of them fall for it and then eventually realize that that's not the way to go. Like, I think one of the first people I heard talk about this was Joe Rogan, where he uh, got his little spot on news radio after seven years of being in comedy. But he got his little spot on that show, and, you know, you film for a couple months, and that's it, and then the rest of the time's free time. And so he would take that free time and all the money he got from news radio 
and fuck around and play pool all day. He uh, bought Quake 3 and got a, a T1 internet connection, which at the time, in the 90s or so, that was like $10,000 a month, so he could play Quake 3 without lag, and all kinds of stupid and vain shit that you might do. But the, the most damaging thing that he did during that time was waste his time not working and not trying to be better than he already was. Because it's great. You get one show, you've got a lot of success that way. It may be your only show. If you want to guarantee that you get more than one show, then you don't want to stop improving the second that you get some success. Or if you've had no success and you want to prove that you you should be allowed to do your job or allowed to do the thing that you like doing, you need to actually prove that you can work the kind of hours that a successful person can work. Because I think the answer to that question or the answer to that, that issue is that a lot of people who say they would like to be successful actors, who would say they would like to be successful dancers or psychologists or whatever, or freelance writers, and freelance writer means you're unemployed, by the way, if you weren't aware of that, but people who are like to, would like to be successful in those fields wouldn't like to actually do the work because if they wanted to do the work that a successful person does, they'd be doing it without the pay. Instead of sitting on your ass all day and doing nothing, you should be spending every waking moment that you have the energy for working on that career that you're trying to get. You're trying to, in this case, before you would get money doing it, you're trying to prove that you're actually worthy of that money. So if you're going to be an actor, you spend all of your daytime hours, which means you might have to actually wake up early, you spend all of your daytime hours going to auditions and trying to get roles or failing at auditions and learning how to to handle auditions, when those auditions are over, you get home and you go to your acting class. When the acting class is over and you get home, you watch movies and you try to pick up the acting techniques of the actors that are in those movies. So basically what you're doing here, if you're not good enough at playing pretend that people will pay you to do it, then you are spending every waking moment trying to get that good. Or... In the case of things like, maybe you think a little bit outside the box, in the case of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, they they couldn't get a, a break and roll. A lot of times what will happen is that there's a good script, and then you know all the good actors will go for the good script, and if they pass it up, and you're lucky enough that they pass it up, they, they leave all these scraps to the, the up-and-coming actors. And it was the case, I forget the movie, but it was the case that Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon went for a role that Edward Norton ultimately got, and that was the the role that broke Edward Norton and made him popular and famous. And they watched that get passed by, and they said, "Well, fuck, uh, this is." Pre- I mean, the, the odds of that ever happening again are very, very low because all the big big actors are going to want the good movies. So we're not going to wait for the next good movie. We're going to work and make our own opportunity. So they spent like five years writing the script for Goodwill Hunting, and that movie made their careers and made them good actors. So you are there working until you are so good that you are now valuable or you are working to create the opportunity for yourself like the people of the past have. Otherwise, you're going to end up doing this thing that every unsuccessful actor does or every unsuccessful actress or everybody who's unsuccessful in art. They're going to have all these conspiracy theories about why they aren't good. Well, you know, the it's really uh, it's really who you know as opposed to what you know. It's all a man's game or you can only be successful at art if you do this or if you do those things and... No, I tend to disagree because I spent quite a lot of time looking at auditions of bad actors versus the auditions from good actors. And it makes sense 
as to why those bad actors don't get the roles versus the good actors. I mean, if you compare them side by side, you'd say, well, yeah, it's really obvious why that guy got the role versus you. That guy's way better than you. Or you can even do things like watch that show American Idol. I think that's a perfect example where you see a lot of good singers mixed in with very crappy singers. And a lot of the crappy singers get very pissed off they didn't get picked. But you as a viewer find it very obvious why they didn't get picked. Like even competing against myself with my own YouTube channel, and I'm going to mention this because a lot of people have said they prefer this, is I can have a timeline that looks like this in my editing program. And this timeline will take about maybe 30 or 45 minutes to edit and put together. Or I can put more effort into it and put more work into it, and I can have a timeline that looks like this, which takes somewhere between four and eight hours. I've been getting a little bit faster at it as I practice more, but it takes a it takes significantly longer to make a timeline look like this versus the first option where I basically only edit the audio. But what's happened that when I've started making the timelines more complex, I've started putting more visual effects inside of the videos, the videos look a lot better and they've been getting better responses. Like the example that I've used here, this is one of my most popular videos. I just released it last week and it's gotten about two or three times what my average video gets. And that's good news because that video was a shitload of work. It was way more work than my average video in terms of recording and in terms of editing. And the reason I chose to do this is because like pretty much every YouTuber, whether they admit it or not, I'd rather do this full time than whatever job I might work. So if I notice that there is a lot of unutilized free time, I've got two options with the content that I produce. I can either produce more content instead of producing content three times a week or now four times a week. But instead of producing content every other day, I can produce it every day. Or what I chose to do instead is make the content that I produce that is every other day a lot better. And that tends to be my style. Like I'd much rather focus on a higher quality product than producing lots of quantity. Now that's not to say that producing a high quantity of videos per day is something that's bad. It's just something that I don't prefer. Like I much prefer the style of Black Pigeon Speaks who produces content every other day or every couple of days versus content like Tim Pool the recording where they're producing multiple videos a day. It just tends to be my style. But the important thing here in reference to this topic is that whether uh, I'm talking about a content creator that produces multiple videos per day or a content creator like me who produces uh, every other day or every every two days or so, both of us are doing a shitload of work. Both of us are trying to maximally utilize our time. And so you're on one end where you're trying to create as much content as possible and that's you know utilizing every single second I can of the day making three videos in a day or I can spend every single second making the three or four videos I make per week the highest possible quality I can make them. But the time spent is the important part. And so if you find yourself in a career like art, or in, if, if, by the way, if you are a business owner, you are the same type of temperament, or if you're someone who starts a business, you're the same type of temperament as someone who does art. That tends to be a, a liberal temperament. And so you can very easily fall into the same trap with your business that all of the artists fall into, where it's, you know, I'm, I'm my own boss and I'm my own manager. I get to decide when I go to work. And so I'm going to go work from three o'clock to six o'clock and that'll be my entire work day. Uh, so you can very, very well fall into that trap. And so I have this trick that I use to keep myself from falling into that trap. I like to think of it as something that Jordan Peterson said, is that no matter what, you're going to suffer. 
And so an immature person allows that suffering to just happen to them. Someone who is more mature, someone who's a fighter, will say, okay, suffering is going to happen no matter what, but what I can do is pick the type of suffering that I'm going to get. So I can either suffer by spending all day recording and editing YouTube videos, or all day finding footage, or all day studying philosophy, or all day watching the news cycle to see what topics that should, should be talked about. I can spend all day doing that, or I can spend some all day at some shitty job that I don't like. Both of them are going to require a lot of work. One's a type of work that I prefer a little bit more than the other. And so if you aren't spending as much free time as you possibly can working towards work that you would actually like doing, then you are guaranteeing that you're going to get work that you don't like doing. In both situations, you're going to get poisoned. You might as well pick what poison you get. You might find that one of the poisons is a little bit less bad than the other. But I will leave it at that for this video. If you liked it, please hit the like button. Subscribe if you're new. Comment and share. If you'd like to support the channel, then you can donate to me either through PayPal or Subscribestar. Both those links are in the description. If you have not subscribed to my BitChute channel or if you have not checked out my BitChute channel, then go ahead and take a look at that. The link is in the description. Also, because there are a lot of things that I cannot say on YouTube for fear of being accused of hate speech, I have started producing exclusive content on BitChute. Part of that is to promote BitChute and make it a bigger website, but also a part of it is a is an outlet for all the topics that I cannot cover on YouTube. So every week there is an ex there will be an exclusive BitChute video that will likely, and certainly does this week, that will likely go over topics that I would not be able to cover here. So go ahead and check out those exclusive videos. You They will be marked by the thumbnail. So it'll say BitChute exclusive or something like that in the thumbnail. So it's very, very easy to find. Other than that, thanks for watching the video and I'll see you in the next one.